You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Okay, what are you excited for the word tonight? Can I say amen? Okay. I want to pray real quick, and then we are going to get into the message. We're kicking off a brand new series tonight that I am so excited about. We got a dope new bumper series with some, like, some guitar, no rapping, just some punk rock. I was like, this is cool. Okay, right up my alley. So let's pray, and let's dive in. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God, I thank you so much for my New Song students family. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you, God, that... When, when your word says where two or more are, got, are gathered, there you are in our midst. And so I see more than two people in this room that are here in your name. And so we believe and we know that the king is in the room. And so, Father God, soften our hearts, open our eyes, help us to grow so that we can look more like Jesus this month. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Okay, jumping into a brand new series And if you are following along with me, we're going to start this series off in Romans chapter 5. So head over to Romans chapter 5. I want to remind you guys that we have a really, really special opportunity tonight. And that opportunity is to receive something from God. Now, I know you're like, duh, I'm at church. But think about this with me for a second. God wants to speak to you tonight. God wants to speak to you tonight. I know this is something you hear probably on a weekly, maybe even daily basis here at New Song, but I want you to hear this with fresh eyes tonight, with fresh ears, um, because God, who is God? Well, he's the creator of everything. He's the God who can do anything. That God, he's really big. He wants to speak. Here's what's cool about that. That means he's a relational God. He's not just a God up in the sky not controlling or not involved in his creation. No, he wants to speak to you because he's a relational God. And what do you do when you're in relationship with somebody? You talk to them, right? And God wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. And then here's the cool part about all of this. He wants to speak to you. Somebody say me. He wants to speak to you. And you know what that tells me? That you have the ability to hear God tonight. You have the ability to hear God. Hearing God is not dependent on the pastor or not. It's not dependent on how much of a Christian you felt like you acted like today or this week. It's not dependent on your age or your upbringing, but it is dependent upon something. You know what hearing God is dependent upon? This right here. It's dependent upon your heart. And so the reality, the reality is, and we see this all throughout scripture, is God can be in the room People can be experiencing God and seeing God move right in front of their eyes, but they can totally miss it. And that's because their heart wasn't in it. Their heart was somewhere else. Their heart was pointed in the opposite direction. And so I say all that to say this. The opportunity tonight for you is too good to miss. So whatever you need to do to posture your heart to receive the word that I believe God has for you, I believe it's a good word. I want to encourage you to do it. So If that looks like turning with me to Romans chapter 5, do it. If that looks like taking notes, do it. Whatever you need to do to cancel distractions and get this word, I want to encourage you to do it. So, tonight, new series, Growing Pains. Ooh, ooh, Growing Pains. Look to your neighbor, say Growing Pains. Look to your other neighbor, say, ooh. 
Ouch. Ooh, yeah, growing pains. Throughout the next month, we're going to be talking about growing pains. What am I talking about? Well, first off, I want to give you the title of the message. If you're taking notes, write this down. The title of the message, you saw it in the, in the video, is No Pain, No Gain. No, can, no pain, no gain. You've probably heard this before if you have if had a coach before um, or you've been working out with your homie and they're like, no pain, no gain, right? You've probably heard this phrase before. What does that mean? Well, through the next month, we are going to be diving into, and you might want to write this down. It's not on the, on the slides, but you might want to write this down. We're talking about the very normal, somebody say normal, the very normal difficulties that we face in our maturity in Christ. So, how many of you in here would agree with me with the statement, I eventually want to be mature in Christ one day? Eventually. I'm not saying that you're there now. You might not even know what I'm talking about. But, like, maybe not even on a spiritual sense. I eventually want to be mature one day. How about that? Does anybody, everybody agree with me on that? i, I got to be honest. I'm, I haven't met a single person yet who's like, I'm kind of cool with just being really immature for the rest of my life. Like, I really want to be just a big crybaby and have people depend, like, depend on people and, like, make everybody's life miserable for the rest of my life. I don't know anybody who actually wants to do that. We all want to grow, right? Because growing is good. More is good. We all want to grow. And because of that, uh, we actually like a lot of promises in Scripture about growth. Did you know God's Word has a lot of promises in Scripture about growth? God's Word says things like, I have plans for you. But they're not just plans. They're plans to prosper you, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's a good plan. That's growth. We like, we like uh, scriptures where Jesus says, I want to produce fruit in your life. Fruit, what does fruit do? It grows. it grows, that's right. You get more of it. We like that, right? We like scriptures where God says, Jesus actually says this, I've come that you may have life, but not just life, life abundantly. Somebody say abundantly. We like growth. Growth is good. Can you say amen with me? Amen. I think we all agree. Growth is good. More is good. And the, the, the really great thing about this is we actually serve a God who loves to give us more. A God who loves to grow us. He's invested in growing you and me. But here's where it gets tricky. All right? Somebody say, uh-oh. Here's where it gets tricky. There's a process for God to grow us. And the thing that God uses to grow us is something we don't like sometimes. We like growth, but the, the thing that God uses to grow us is this thing called pain. And that's really unfortunate because nobody likes pain, right? Does anybody like pain? That's right. Okay, just making sure. Nobody likes pain. This past weekend, Pastor Josh preached an incredible message. If you were able to be here, um, we finished our Kingdom Manifesto series, and he preached an incredible message on your foundation. Do you remember this? What you're building your life upon, the house of your life, building it on the entirety of God's word. If you missed that, you've got homework this week, okay? Go back. It's a must listen to. You got to listen to it. Um, but in that message, Pastor Josh reminded us of a promise in God's word. It's one of those promises that we don't necessarily, like he said, slap on our refrigerator. And it's this, that in this world, you will face troubles. You will face a storm. In this world, you will face pain. That's literally a promise of God that you can stand on. All right? Amen. I'm, I'm going to face troubles in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. Don't pray that. But we, because uh, it's going to happen whether you pray it or not. So we learned that 
If you build the entirety of your life, though, your entire life, your whole house on the foundation of God's word, then we actually, as believers, we don't have to fear those storms, right? We don't have to fear, fear those trials that are going to come our way. We don't actually have to fear pain. Why? Because we already know what the outcome is. We already know that the promised outcome is if your life is built on the foundation of Jesus, then guess what? Your house is going to make it. Your life is going to make it through the storm. That's a promise that you can hold on to. But, and, and it's kind of like this. When you know the end result, it's a lot easier to go through something hard, right? Have you ever been there before? Like when you know the end result is I'm going to be okay, it's a little bit easier to endure something that's uncomfortable or painful. Kind of like there's a couple examples I've thought of this. Some of you guys know uh, I do CrossFit. CrossFit is very painful and not fun sometimes. But I'm never going into a CrossFit workout going like, Haley, I love you. I hope I see you again. Like, like tell Marlo I love her. I'm not literally going to die after this workout, right? Some of you guys know I like tattoos. I've got a, I've got a couple tattoos. When I go get a tattoo, I'm not saying goodbye to my family. I'm not like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Tell, tell my dad I love him. No, I know I'm going to make it through. I also know it's going to hurt, but I know the end result. And does that make it easier to go through something painful? Yes. When you know you're going to be okay on the other side, it doesn't make the pain go away, but it does make it easier to endure the pain. Scripture talks about enduring. I want to read to you the definition of enduring if you want to write this down. Endure means this, suffering something difficult or painful. You ever been through something difficult or painful before? Suffering that patiently, okay? Here's another part of that definition, though, to remain in existence. So enduring is like, I'm not really happy about this. I'm not doing great. I'm just kind of existing. And I think sometimes as believers, we take this mindset when we enter into seasons of our life that are more difficult than others. Maybe they're more uncomfortable than others. Maybe there's some pain in our heart that we're walking through, and we kind of just put our head down, and we get into this mentality of, I'm just going to endure this. Now, Scripture talks about enduring, but can I tell you that there's actually a better opportunity that we're, we're given as believers? You don't have to just exist through pain. Did you know that? You don't just have to put your head down and exist and just walk through it, but there's actually a kingdom mentality that we can adopt as believers. It's not easy, but we can learn to adopt it. And it's found in Romans chapter 5. So this is where I want to kick off this whole series, this whole passage. And so I want you to write this down. And I also want to encourage you during this month, maybe some of y'all could commit this to memory. Oh, shout out. Challenge. I want to see if some of you guys can commit this to memory. If you do, maybe we'll give you something. I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. But if you come to me and you say this, I'm going to find something to give you, okay? So Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 2. This is Paul talking. Here's what he says. He says, because of our faith in Christ, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. That's that firm foundation we stand on. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. So right there, pause. That's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about that firm foundation that Pastor Josh just preached on this past weekend. When we have that firm foundation, we can confidently look past whatever we're facing whatever pain, whatever suffering, and we can say, I know that there's some glory that God has for me on the other side of this. It might be uncomfortable right now, but I know 
Scripture says God takes me from glory to glory, so I can look past this moment. But not only do we just look past it and endure what we're walking through, it gets even better than that. Somebody say, it gets better. better. Look at this, verse 3. We can rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. We can rejoice. You know what that means? Throw a party. Be happy. Get stoked. We can rejoice. Okay, when do we do that? When I'm having the best day of the week? No. When we run into problems and trials. Say, what? This is not a typo. I'm going to read this again. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Paul, what the heck are you saying? How is this possible? For when we know, for, for we know that they will help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope and salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know, this is so good. I love how Paul ends this. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So right here, Paul writes something so challenging and so backwards to the way we naturally view pain. The way we naturally view suffering. Paul is quite literally telling us, hey, you don't just have to patiently endure suffering and just put your head down and just just make it through this hard season. He says, you can actually rejoice when hard things show up in your life. Yeah. Now, hold on a second, Paul. I get, I get endurance. Because <laughs> I've done hard workouts before, and I get that you can just kind of like suffer through this. But you mean to tell me that when a bad day comes my way, when something hard comes to the door of my life, I can throw a party? I can rejoice? I can be stoked about that? This kind of thinking is so backwards and so unnatural to the way we tend to view circumstances in our life. Would you agree with me? Is this your natural way to to view a painful process? No, right? It's very unnatural. It's so unnatural that I think if we were able to know Paul personally right now, and you were able to encounter this kind of faith that Paul carried, you would probably categorize Paul as a crazy person. And I'm going to prove it to you. I want to do a little thought experiment with you. We're going to pretend that Paul, the Paul, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, I want you to pretend with me tonight that Paul is a new song student, okay? Paul's a new song student, and he's in your small group, okay? So it's a normal night, normal Wednesday. It's the best day of the week. You've just heard yet again another incredible message from your talented youth pastor. And... uh, After the message, you know, we do the altar ministry time. Then you go out into the lobby and you race to those pizza boxes and you snag just a a full lukewarm pizza. And you take it to your small group and you and your small group, you you guys are doing some small talk. You're hanging out. Then your small group leader comes in. They're like, all right, y'all. Hey, 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 pay attention. We're going to start small group now. Hopefully they're nicer than that. Okay. If not, you can talk to me. Okay. I got your back. So, your small group leader is like, all right, guys, it's time. we got to dive into these questions. But first, I want everybody to go around and give me your high and your low from the week, okay? Does anybody got, is it just my group that does this? Ladies, do you do that every now and then? Okay, cool. So, Paul's in your small group. People start going around to listen to their highs and their lows from the week. You know, the first person goes and they're like, hmm, high from the week. I got to go to the lake this week. Low. 
I got a really gnarly sunburn, and now I'm peeling everywhere. The next person goes, and they're like, hi, I got, a, I got to spend three nights in a row with my best friend. Have you guys ever done that before, like a triple decker, right? I got to spend three nights in a row with my best friend. Lo, I had to spend three nights in a row with my best friend, and I'm kind of tired of them now, so go home. Then it gets to Paul, and Paul's like, "Mm, hi, I was persecuted for my faith this week, and I was thrown in prison, and I'm I'm just really excited to see how God turns this around for my maturity in Christ. And then he's like, and then he's like, my low, I don't have one. I've been too busy rejoicing in my sufferings. <laughs> How many of you would be like, this guy is crazy? You'd be looking to your neighbor and you'd be like, who invited the weirdo, okay? But listen to me. It makes, it makes no natural sense to rejoice in your sufferings, but Paul was able to do it. And guess what? Paul says, You can do it. As Christians, we are called to have that same kind of response when trouble comes our way. Amen? We're called to do that. So how in the world, how in the world do we have that kind of response to trouble in our world, to pain? How do we do that? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Pain is the normal and necessary process we go through in order to gain God's best. And I'm probably going to say this a couple times tonight, but it's because I want you to remember this. Pain is the very normal, somebody say normal, and necessary. Somebody say necessary. It's normal, and it's a necessary process that we all go through in order to get God's best. You might have known this before. But you actually go through this physically. You go through a very normal, physical, and necessary process when you mature. And when you do that, sometimes it's painful. It's called growing pains. It's where the name of our series came from. You know, as babies, they go through this thing called teething. You know why? This might blow your mind. But babies aren't born with a full set of teeth. You know why? It's because I think God knew what he was doing. Because this is what a baby looks like with a full set of teeth photoshopped on them no that is creepy that is straight creepy so God knew what he was doing he's like no 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 I want babies to come out of the womb with some gummy just happy smiles no teeth okay so babies are born without teeth and when they get to a certain age they start to go through a process of teething somebody say teething and in this process it hurts because Literally, their teeth are cutting through their gums. I, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard somebody say if a, an adult was going through teething, they would want, like, morphine. They would, like, need to go to the ER and ask for morphine. Like, that's how much it hurts a baby. I can, I can tell you, when my daughter Marla was going through teething, it hurt. It was messing up her sleep. She wasn't sleeping well. It hurt when she would eat. When we would put a T-shirt on her, she would drool out the entire T-shirt in five minutes. Uh, it was a very painful and messy process, but when my daughter was going through the teething process, I wasn't like freaking out, like, is she gonna survive this? Is my, I need to go to the altar, like, Holy Spirit, I need to just come against this enemy of teething in the mighty name of Jesus, like, like my daughter's not gonna make this through. No, 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 I wasn't freaking out, why? Because it's a very normal and necessary growing pain, right? 
I recognize, I recognize that as uncomfortable as it might be for Marlo to go through this growing pain of teething, I can't just pray for God to zap those teeth in her overnight. In the same way that you and I can't pray for God to just give us three inches of height overnight, right? It's because there is a process that we all go through when our bodies mature physically, right? In the same way, there are qualities, hear me, there are qualities that God wants to grow in you that look like Jesus. How many of you would want those qualities? I want those qualities. But there is a very normal and necessary process that God is going to take us through in order for us to have those in us. And you know what? Sometimes a little bit of pain is involved in that process. I love what David Guzik writes about this. He says, most every Christian wants to develop character and have more hope. These qualities spring out of perseverance, which unfortunately comes through tribulation. We may wish to have better character and more hope without starting with trials, but that isn't God's pattern and plan. Listen to this. I would rather have God just sprinkle perseverance and character and hope on me as I sleep. Amen to that. I could wake up a much better Christian, but that isn't God's plan for me or any Christian. Is this good stuff? Can we keep going for a second? One more part. This is so good. Therefore, because of that, because there's a process, we can soberly and reverently say about trials, Lord, bring it on. Lord, bring it on. Because I know you love me and you carefully measure every trial and have loving purpose to accomplish in every tribulation. This is an awesome prayer. Lord, I won't seek out trials. I won't search for tribulation, but I won't despise them or lose hope when they come. I trust your love in everything you allow. That's a good prayer right there. That's a good prayer. Lord, I know pain is uncomfortable, but I also know there's a process that you want me to go through, so bring it on. And this is why Paul had the ability to literally rejoice when hard times came his way. Because you know what? When, when difficulties came into Paul's life, Paul wasn't like, oh, man, how is this going to take me out? No, his first response was, this is really hard, but you know what this means? This must mean God wants to keep growing something in me. This hard thing is actually proof that God is not done maturing me. So I'm actually really excited to go through this because I can't wait to see how much I look like Jesus after this. Amen? Amen. It sounds crazy. This kind of thinking sounds crazy, but only if you're looking at troubles and trials the way the world does. Because in our world, sorry, I'm choking on myself. In our world, pain is something that we all try to avoid at all costs. Pain is bad in our world. We want growth but we want to take the easiest route with the least amount of pain possible. But with God, listen to me, pain is actually proof that you are in a maturing process. Pain is actually proof, growing pains, it's evidence that you are growing into the person God has called you to be. So why is this all important? Why are we spending an entire month talking about growing pains as a Christian? I'm so glad you asked, okay? Because I'm going to give you the answer right now. Because unlike physical growing pains, unlike physical growth, physical maturity that happens automatically, the maturity that God wants to do in us spiritually does not happen automatically. 
That's why we're talking about this. Because if we're not careful, we can tend to think of our spiritual maturity in the same, in the same way we think about our physical maturity. And you know what happens when you get older? You get taller, you get more teeth, your feet get bigger, and do you try to do any of those things? No, it just happens automatically. And if we're not careful, we can take that same mentality into our spiritual walk with God, and we can just assume the older I get, the more I'm going to look like Jesus. But this is actually not the case. The older you get doesn't mean you're going to look more like Jesus. It doesn't happen automatically. And here's why. Write this down. Maturity is not an outward appearance. It's a condition of your heart. Maturity is not an outward appearance. It's a condition of your heart. And here's what's really difficult about maturity in Christ. It's not always as obvious as physical maturity. Like, it's easy to tell the difference between a person's physical maturity. Like, if I were to have a six-month-old baby boy on this platform with me and a 35-year-old man next to me, and I were to tell you, which one of these two is more physically mature? Would that be hard for you to differentiate? No, all you got to do is look at the platform, and you can tell one of these people is somebody that's squishy and soft and you probably want to cuddle with, right? The other one is probably a lot bigger and hairier and probably needs some deodorant because he stinks, okay? It's very easy to differentiate, and all you have to do is what? You just got to look at them. It's obvious. And, and we tend to look at maturity in others the same way when we're talking about spiritually. We think that maturity spiritually and emotionally can be discovered and, and looked at the same way as physical maturity. So we, we look at people and we judge their spiritual maturity based on what we see, how gifted that person is, how much Bible they know, how many followers they have, how popular they are, all of these outside things, how, how they dress, what kind of connections they have. We take all of these outward appearances into account and we judge people's spiritual maturity based on those outward things. But can I tell you, you can have all of the outward maturity things that the world tells you you need and still be a baby in Christ. You can, have, you can look as mature as possible on the outside, but be very mature in Christ on the inside. And I don't want that for you. I want every single one of you to walk in a maturity that actually is far beyond what looks mature on the outside. Amen. Does anybody want that? There's actually a, a, an Old Testament story that I love. I think it paints a perfect picture of this judging outward maturity. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And in this passage, we find God's people. You know, they've been recently freed from Egypt. And he is in this process of maturing them. God is in this process of setting up his people as a nation. So they've been slaves for a long time, and now they're free, and God is trying to help them become a nation, but not just any other nation. God wants to set them up to be a holy nation. You know why? Because God is holy. And you know what holy means? Holy means set apart. It means different. So what does that mean for God? That means God is not like you and me, and we are not like God. God is different. He's set apart. He's holy. But... Because we're God's people, we are called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. We're called to look different than the world. And so God is in this process of setting apart his people to be a nation that looks different than any other nation in the world. Why? Is God trying to set up his people so that they can like boast about how awesome they are and dunk on all these other nations? No. God is trying to set them apart 
so they can be an example. God wants all these other nations that are fallen and broken and sinful to look at Israel and say, whoa, I want to follow your God because he is blessing you. And it looks like his ways are better and higher. So I want to follow your God. Is this making sense? So God is wanting to do this for the children of Israel, but it's hard because they are not wanting to trust and obey God. They're not wanting to trust God's process that he's taking them on. Um, and in the process um, that God is inviting them into, it actually makes no sense to them at all. And here's why. All of the other nations around Israel have this one thing in common. All of them have a human king. Israel, at this point in history, has never had a human king rule over them. Why? Because God is continually telling them, hey, I want to be your king. Can I be your king? Can you trust me? I want to rule over you. I promise you, I'm going to do it better than any person that you want to do it. And Israel is hearing this, and they're like, yeah, 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 God. That's great. But, like, every other nation has a king. Every other nation's doing it. So, like, how are we going to know if we're a kingdom or not if we don't have, like, an actual king? I know you want to be our king, God, and, like, that's cool. You're, you're, you're the boss. But we really want, like, a human king, like all these other kingdoms. And so, you know what God does? God gives them what they want. He gives them a king. Even though God had a better plan for them, he gives them exactly what they wanted. And the person that they get looks the part. He looks like a king. Look at this. I want to read this to you. It says, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 8. It says this. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. That's the prophet. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all those other nations and that our king may judge us and go out before battle and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard this and all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. So Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. So they want what looks like maturity on the outside. Is this following? Are you following me? They want what looks mature on the outside, and this is how awesome God is. He's so patient with them. He's not going to force them into this process that he has for them. So God's like, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. And what they got was this king who was everything they could have wanted and more on the outside. Look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 9. It says this, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. And I'm just going to skip to verse 2 because there's a lot of really hard names to pronounce. So... Amen. Ain't no shame in that. Verse 2. And he had a son whose name was Saul. This is not Saul who turned into Paul. That's New Testament. This is Old Testament. Different Saul. Way worse. Not as cool. And Saul, look at this, was a handsome young man. Somebody say, whoo! Saul was a handsome young man. Look at this. Ooh. Here we go. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he was. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than all the other people. So Saul, Saul shows up. He's got this chiseled chin. He's got these big biceps, and he's tall, like real tall. And he's got everything going for him on the outside. He is the perfect candidate to be king. And he, he looks amazing. But here's the thing. He had a maturity on the outside, 
that didn't match a maturity process on the inside. He had gone through a physical maturing process, but he had not yet gone through a maturing process with God in his heart. And you know what that actually ended up doing? It actually ended up causing way more damage than good because he wasn't ready for responsibility. He ends up doing so much more damage than good. He ends up completely being a headache for the prophet Samuel. He ends up doing things because people weren't going to like him a certain way, so he does things based on the approval of man, and he ends up completely disobeying God. What we find in this picture of Scripture is a man, he's an adult man, who has a, a level of maturity on the outside that does not match maturity on the inside. And this is a huge issue that we face in the world, New Song students. This is a huge issue that we face both outside of the church and inside of the church. Because you can look the part. I'm telling you, you can look the part. You can say all of the right things. You can have every single outward level of maturity, but on the inside have no maturity in Christ. And when this happens, you know what happens? People start to look at you And they start to say, hey, you look good. You should lead. And they start to give you leadership, but your heart hasn't gone through a maturing process yet. And so what happens when immature people lead is they start to hurt others. When immature people lead others, they hurt others. In John Tyson's book, um, he writes this about the dangers of immaturity that we see in men specifically. But ladies, I love you but you ain't off the hook, okay? (laughs) You ain't off the hook either. But I will say, as a man, I can't speak to the women, but I will say, as a man, there is a immaturity in men today that is is really breaking my heart. And I believe that God is calling us, New Song students, New Song men, to rise up and to restore biblical manhood. But check this out. John Tyson writes this. He says, we are surrounded by adult men who in actuality are nothing more than teenagers still trying to find their way, hurting and abusing those around them, all while thinking it's some sort of amusing game. And New Song students, I know this is kind of heavy, but I'm saying this because I love you. This is the picture we get of King Saul. Adult man, childish heart. Not childlike, the way we're called to be as Christians. No, adult man, childish heart. All the qualities on the outside that say leader, king, I'll follow that. You be my leader. But a heart that had not gone through a maturing process with God and his immaturity affected people on the outside. So I know this is kind of heavy. I don't think anybody in this room would say, yeah, I'd love to just go around and hurt others with my immaturity. Like, I would just love to grow up and never become mature and just constantly be a burden to all of my friends. Does anybody want that? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Um, But here's the reality. It's so easy to walk in immaturity. It's so easy to walk in it. In fact, you can be going through life thinking you're absolutely killing it, but on the inside... You're not walking in spiritual maturity, and something happens to you. A pain walks, uh, happens in your life, and what it does is it reveals, oh, I'm actually not as far along as I thought I was. This is actually the exact same thing that happens in the book of Hebrews. So I want to fast forward real quick. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. And in this passage, the author is writing to a group of believers who thought they were killing it. 
they thought they were mature in Christ, but the author of Hebrews comes in and is like, no, 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 you're missing the mark. Look at this. And he's, he's not super nice about it. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Look at this. He's about to slap these people in the face with a tortilla. You need milk, not solid food. You need milk. Somebody say, get that boy some milk. Okay. That was weird. I shouldn't have told you to say that. Anyway, verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the what? The mature who, are, who by constant use have trained themselves to dis- distinguish good from evil. So the author of Hebrews He's not talking to brand new Christians at this point in the story. Like, it'd be different if they were brand new Christians. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be speaking to them like this. But these people are not brand new Christians. These people are people who have been walking and practicing the ways of Jesus for some time now. But the author shows up, and he realizes they are not as far along in their maturity process as they should be. Now, I want, you, I want to just clarify something. When he says you ought to be teachers at this point, he's not saying to you and me, that you, your goal in maturity in Christ is to become a pastor one day. Like he's not saying all of us in this room, that's our goal that we need to strive for. All of us need to become pastors one day. That's not the goal. The goal that he's saying is you need to become a teacher. What does a teacher do? A teacher does not need to focus on themselves. They have a, a maturity that says, I'm good and I'm gonna pour into you. This is what discipleship is. And God wants to grow you into a discipleship to where you don't need to just take, take, take all the time, but you can start to pour out, right? That's our vision for this year. Pour out to your friends. Pour out to your family. So we're called to be teachers. So really quickly, before we get ready to wrap up this message, I want to give you, because I think it's good to have some ideas, some practical ways to know, okay, where am I in this spiritual maturing process? I want to give you five characteristics of babies versus teachers, okay? Babies versus teachers. And I'm gonna just hammer these real quick because I wanna make sure we have enough time for small group. Number one is this. Babies need to be fed. Teachers can feed themselves. Babies need to be fed. Teachers can feed themselves. What does this mean spiritually? This means that if you are a baby in Christ, now here, please hear me. If you are somebody who is new in your faith, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those of you who have been walking with Christ for at least a while now. God wants to get you to a place where you don't need me, Pastor Jackson, or you don't need Pastor Josh or any of your pastors. You don't need them as your main source of spiritual food. Now, I'm not saying you don't need us because you do. You need to be planted in the church. You need to have pastors over your life. But there's a difference when I'm when I need my pastor for authority and when I need him to feed me for every spiritual truth in my life. And you're called to be able to feed yourself. What are we talking about when we talk about feeding ourselves? We're talking about God's word. You're supposed to grow in your faith in a way where you can get in God's word and feed yourself. Number two is this. Is this good stuff? Okay, number two. Babies can't handle meat. Teachers can handle tough truths. What is this talking about? This is talking about, let's be honest, there are parts of the Bible, maybe there are truths in the Bible that are hard for you to chew. If you are a baby in the faith, what you will do is that truth 
will take you out because you can't wrap your brain around it. And so you will choke on it. You will spit it out. You will run away from it. But God wants to grow you in a place where when you come across something in Scripture or in your walk of faith that is hard to chew, that you have the, the ability to endure that and chew on it and meditate on it and get the Holy Spirit's uh, wisdom on that. Is that making sense? Yeah. Number three is this. Babies can't handle discomfort. Teachers experience discomfort but have an understanding that it will eventually pass. So, like, when my daughter Marla, when she was a baby, if she was hungry, it wasn't just like, hey, Dad, I'm hungry. It was like her world was falling apart, right? Because she's a baby. I get that. But you're not called to do that forever as a Christian. As Christians, we're called to grow in a way where when discomfort comes, it's not like our entire world is falling apart. Does this make sense? You're called to endure and, and have some, some tough skin but a soft heart. That's really what God wants to grow in us, a tough skin on the outside but a soft, tender heart on the, on the inside. Number four, babies have zero concern for others. A teacher's main focus is serving others. This is what God wants to grow in us. He wants to get us where our walk with God is not just about me, 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 what's going on in my life. He wants us to get out of ourself and look to our neighbor. Number five is this. Babies have no ability to discern. Teachers can discern what is right and wrong, what's beneficial. What do I mean by this? Marlo, when we go outside, you know what she'll do? She'll grab a handful of rocks and just throw them in her mouth. And how many of you would know that's not a good idea? You could choke and die when you do that. She doesn't have discernment yet. She's still learning these things. But as Christians, we're not called to just continue watching things that we know we're not supposed to be watching, hanging out with people that we know we're not supposed to be hanging out with. We're called to have discernment, to know what's best for us and what's not God's best. This is what God is calling us to step into. There's a harsh reality. There's a harsh reality that we've got to understand, and it's that maturity on the outside does not equal maturity on the inside. It's a condition of the heart. That's a harsh reality that we've got to understand. Maturity on the outside. I can look real good on the outside, but not be good on the inside. But here's the good news, New Song students, and I want to invite the band to come up. Here's the good news. Maturity is not an outward appearance. It's a condition of the heart. Some of you guys are like, Pastor Jackson, you just said the same thing twice. I know exactly what I said. Let me explain. Here's the good news. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what kind of trials or pain you've walked through. It doesn't matter what kind of family you've come from. Guess what? Maturity on the outside does not determine maturity on the inside. It's a condition of the heart. In other words, it's a choice. Somebody say, it's a choice. It's a choice. And it's a choice that actually God can't make for you. But all it requires is that, a choice. Write this down if you're taking notes. The only requirement for maturity in Christ is your yes. Literally, the only thing stopping you from experiencing growing pains, and I mean that in the best way possible, walking into all that God has for you, the only thing stopping you is you. The only thing stopping your maturity in Christ is you saying yes. And what we find in the rest of the story in 1 Samuel is that you don't have to wait for this process of maturity to start. 
You don't have to wait. You can enter into this maturing process right now as a student, as a seventh grader, as an eighth grader, as a junior. You don't have to wait till you're in college to start this process. You can start this process right now. And I want to prove it to you. Look at this. After, in that Old Testament story, we talked about Saul. After Saul's been king for a while and just doing a whole lot of damage, <laughs> messing things up, not following God, at some point, God is like, okay, you're done. You're done, Saul. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> we need a new king. So God steps in the picture and God says, this time I'm picking the king. It's not the people's choice. It's my choice this time. I'm picking the king. And look at what happens. It says, when they came, he looked at Eliab and he thought, so time out. Let me just give you a little bit of context before I just read this story to you. <laughs> Samuel goes to Eliab and he's got a bunch of sons who look real good. They look like kings. They look like potential kings for the children of Israel. So Samuel goes to anoint one of his sons to be king. So this is the context. And he looks at the first son, this is Samuel, and in his thoughts, he thinks, surely this is the Lord's anointed before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So the first son comes up and he looks kind of like this. He looks kind of like this. Let's throw that picture up there, Kaysen. The first son comes up here and he looks like Thor, straight up. Biceps, probably a hammer, long luscious hair. The next son comes up and the next son comes up and they all look like this. They look like really good looking dudes. And God rejects every single one of them. And then look at this. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's just keeping the sheep. He's just keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. He is the king. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. So check this out. When everybody saw Saul, I know it's hard to say. When, every, when everybody saw King Saul, they saw a picture of this. They saw Thor, right? This good looking dude who had maturity on the outside. But what God saw on the inside, this is really funny, was this. This is a picture of me, okay? <laughs> This is, this is immature Jackson, okay? Get the picture. Little, scrawny, doesn't need to be a king yet, not ready to be the king of Israel. Are you hearing me? God saw that on the inside of Saul's heart. But when, when God's coming to choose the king and he picks David, everybody sees this on the inside or on the outside, but God sees this on the inside. Are you hearing me? because he had already gone through a process of maturity. He had already said yes to God. It's not about what it looks like on the outside for it determine the maturity on the inside. New Song students, I love this passage. This is so good and I wanna close with this. It's 1 Timothy, you probably read it recently in your Being Transformed journal. And this is, a, this is a verse for you because I believe maturity starts now in you New Song students. Don't, look, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young 
be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. New Song students, God is calling us to maturity. God is calling us to maturity. And guess what? It starts now. It starts right now. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get older. Don't assume that it's gonna happen automatically. It starts now. And all it takes is you to say yes. I trust you, God. I trust your ways are better. I trust you. Amen. I don't want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight as we get ready to close.